This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. If you're joining with us and your guest, we thank you so much. We are a body, a family, a believers, a small expression of the body of Christ. We, um, we love God and we love people. And we serve the world being the hands and feet of Jesus. Our vision, guys, have you got it down yet? To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. We're going to start repeating that next week. And we're going to do it through community, discipleship, and outreach. And I started last week on that. And um, I started telling you guys that we, uh, as I said, we're, we're, we're in a new season. And with this new season, I, I, hope, I hope that you have learned some things. And I, I hope that coming through this past year that you have learned some things. And, and, and I, I mentioned a few things last week. I hope you learned what was really important, man, God and people. God and people, that's all that really matters in this life. Amen? I hope you realize that the physical is temporary. Whatever we have, anything in this physical life that we hold on to and we cherish can be taken away. Amen? Yeah, quiet. When it comes to the church, buildings and property, they're great, but they're tools, right? They too, they can be taken away. But God's mandate for his church has not changed. We talked a lot about his plan last year. Well, we're seeing the next chapters, they're being written right now of the story. And God's plan is being played out right in front of us. And as I keep saying, it hasn't skipped a beat. He's trucking forward. I gave you the three things I talked about. I mean, what do we expect? The three things I mentioned last week. New seasons bring changes. We can count on it in life, right? We don't tend to like it. It brings the unusual and the difficult and the uncomfortable. But change is inevitable. New seasons bring challenges. Doesn't matter if you think it's a good season you're coming into. You're going to face your challenges. There's going to be challenges along the way. And we talked about John 16, 33. Jesus promised you will encounter troubles of all kinds. But take heart, right? For I've overcome the world. And I told you the fresh start, I'm sorry, new seasons bring fresh starts. So while they bring change and they bring challenge, they bring new opportunities. They bring second chances. They bring fresh starts. But... We've got to get our eyes off of the circumstances and quit complaining in order to see the new opportunities that God has placed in front of us. We focus on the uncomfortable and the change and the challenge instead of saying, Lord, what do you want to use me to do right now? And looking for the open doors. As I said uh, last week, we're entering a new season and I think it's a great thing for the church. It's a great thing. We need a change. I'm going to make a change. Somebody said, is he singing Michael Jackson in church? No. 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 Alarms have been going off for a long time, guys. Remember we talked about it last week? The alarms have been sounding. The church has been asleep. How so? How's the church been asleep? Well, I think for one thing, whenever church has been mentioned, we think of a building with a physical address. And here's the thing. For us as Americans, that building had everything that we wanted. It had a preacher to preach a good, feel-good message once a week. Had a children's ministry who would take my crazy kids off my hands for a little while. Right? Isn't that true? Had a good band with some good music. Had somebody, somebody in the church, maybe, maybe sitting over there, somebody who was passionate about souls who would win people to Jesus for us. Had a budget to take care of the needy. Had a live stream in case I was too tired to come to church. No condemnation. Every October had a fall festival where my kids could get lots of candy and I'd have to go demonic trick-or-treating. <laughs> Everything I wanted. Guys, I don't care how you look at it. I think that's been many, if not most, Americans' view of church for a long time. 
And we've missed the whole point of gathering. And guys, it's so bad that Americans go shopping for churches like we go to Walmart. And I'm not trying to, not trying to offend anybody, but I've had people say that to me. I've introduced myself to guests who have walked through our doors. Hey, how you doing? Oh, good. We're Mr. Mrs. So-and-so. And we've been in the area for four years, and we haven't found a church we like yet. So we're shopping around. It's like, well, isn't that special? Nice. Good for you. Good for you. Now, here's the deal. You're never going to agree 100% with any church family that you connect with. Right? It's never going to happen. I mean, it's made up of people. You might like the building, but it's, it's made up of people. You might love Church of the Harvest, but there's going to be issues. I'll give you one of the first reasons why. Because I'm here. And my flesh and my emotions get out of whack sometimes, and I can act like an idiot every now and again. How many of you would tell me your emotions hadn't gotten out of whack? You had to check your attitude. We've got to repent. But have you ever considered that maybe God wants to lead you to the church family he wants you connected to? A place where you can grow and contribute and connect. A place where... You can be equipped for the work of ministry? That's enough for some people. What? Wait, what? Wait, what? What are you talking about? My life is fine. My life is fine. That's somebody else's job. I need to go shopping. Time for another church, right? Equip me for the work of ministry. That ain't my job. Guys, you are the church. And the church is a family. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't mean much in the world today. Look at physical families. Family bonds don't mean what they used to. And it's really, really sad. I mean, I really respect people who say, you know, I've been a part of my church family for 10, 20, 30 years. I respect that. You think they didn't have issues in them 10, 20, 30 years? Of course they did. Of course they did. But they were family. And they would work it through. We don't just disconnect. We don't just quit speaking. We don't just leave when things get tough. We got to grow up. It should be hard to separate. It should be tough. And I believe it should really only be done by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But in America, people leave today, just like they do the physical families. People step away from the church family they're connected with because, I don't know, (laughs) I've heard so much, guys. I have told pastor over and over again, and we do communion to let me know because I'll make some biblical unleavened bread. And we can serve that instead of that cardboard nonsense that we get each week. (laughs) I'm going to another church. It's like, What? What is wrong with you? I can't believe how that woman spoke to me at church Sunday. And, you know, instead of facing it and dealing with it, I'm gone. It's like, what? But that's the world we live in today. That's become the norm for families, much less the church. It's the church. Who in here has never been guilty of ticking somebody off? What is the vision of harvest? To make, grow, and equip. Say it again. To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. Let me tell you right now, that is a process. Takes energy, it takes time, and it's messy. It's messy. 
And let me tell you, (laughs) yeah, I'll say it. If you don't feel up to the challenge, this may not be the church family God's connecting you to. We got to move forward. How do we accomplish it? By building Christian community through discipleship and through reaching out to the lost. The Lord gave that to me a couple of years ago. We were going through Acts chapter 2. As I said last week, man, the early church was so simple in so many ways, wasn't it? And I'm going to read it to you real quick from Acts chapter 2, those very last few verses real quick. And I know you've heard it a hundred times, so I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. But in the midst of what we're looking at and talking about, think about this and, and use your imagination for a minute and imagine this with these words as they're spoken. It says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers were in fellowship as one body. Everybody say family. And they shared with one another whatever they need, whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Enjoying the favor of all the people. Does that mean that everything was going smoothly? Were they in the midst of a government that was out of whack? Tough time. But they enjoyed the favor of all people. And what happened? The Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Most other translations say those who were being saved, right? Guys, they loved God to the point of laying down their lives. They loved people they gave to whoever was in need. We see in the next chapter or two, we see them taking care of the widows and of the orphans. They shared the love of Jesus with their neighbors. They dug into God's word, and man, did they pray. They met daily in their homes and in the temple. They loved God. They loved people. They served the world. They knew who they were. They knew what they were called to do, and they devoted their life to it. And it was just that simple. End of story. As I said last week, I think that we've sometimes complicated things a bit much. The major binding element I see in all that that I just read, the major binding element I see in the simplicity of the body of Christ in its early days was community. The first pillar, community. And that's what I want to focus on for the remainder of our time. For the next few minutes, the church is a community. The church is a family, right? Is the family jacked up sometimes? Is your family jacked up sometimes? (laughs) Church family can be a little jacked up sometimes too. Because we're still trying to get it together and get our flesh in line, right? But that's all right. We come together and we know that the church is the hope of the world. I was thinking about this as... As the father of three children, I've really, it's been interesting watching three completely different people grow up in front of Sean and I. Completely different. And I think she would agree with me that they have some things where they are a bit alike, but I think what amazes me is there are so many differences between them and they were raised under such similar circumstances. And their personalities and their interests and their giftings have begun to take them all in very different directions, right? And actually, I even think about my marriage with Shauna. Our, our, our differences, our differences can be as much a strength as they can be a challenge sometimes. You saying amen? Yes. 
But at the end of the day, when we can, at least in spirit, we come together to eat around the same table. Even though we are different in our, in our diversity, I guess, we understand and appreciate, even in the midst of disagreements and aggravations, that we're one family and we stand together. And, you know, one of our girls, I don't know if it was Madison, one of them said something a few, a little while back, and, and, uh, and I, I took it as a compliment and, and said, you, you can correct me in this if I'm getting it wrong because I think you're the one that actually told me, but said that they told, I think maybe told a friend that if, um, I know that if I came home and had to tell my parents I'm pregnant, it was Madison. I know if I came home and I had to tell my parents I'm pregnant, I know that my parents wouldn't blow up and tell me off and kick me out. They would love me and receive me right where I'm at. Doesn't mean that we would condone sinful action. We would deal with it. But our love and acceptance of them as our child would not change because we're family. How many of you have been there? Know what I'm talking about. You can relate. So my family at home may be a simple example of a family, but it's very similar in the body of Christ. Each one of us is a son or daughter of one heavenly father. Amen? And I want to read you this, another passage that you know, first, again, from 1 Corinthians 12, in, in chapter, 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 12. I'm going to read it to you this time from the New American Standard Bible. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. And the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 really addresses the, um, the reality of this in, in greater detail. Um, what it boils down to is we are family. I got all my sisters with me. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what it is with songs today. Some of you have been a part of the church of Jesus for a long time, and you've been a part long enough to um, see um, examples of this. And maybe you've been a part of the church, and you have seen people referred to within the church as brother or sister, or you would say, this is my spiritual father or my spiritual mother, or you're a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter. And you may think that's kind of tradition, right? I, I remember, I, man, I, I mean, I basically, most I remember growing up in kind of the Spirit-filled church, but, but I remember first, I, I've told you guys before about as a kid going to Cherry Road Baptist Church for vacation Bible school, and I forget his name, but brother so-and-so would get up and lead the music, and sister so-and-so would get up, and, do, and that was kind of my first real exposure to, to hearing that that I, can, that I can remember. You may think it's tradition, but really it's biblical. Even the references like that, and I just looked up a few examples in Acts chapter 19, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 9, verse 17, this is uh, uh, Saul has just been kicked off his donkey, right, on the way to Damascus. Ananias comes to meet up with him, so Ananias departed, entered the house, and laying his hands on Saul, he said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, which you came has sent me, that you may regain your sight and behold the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation says, Saul, my brother. And what do I recognize in this? I see, and it's something that I said back a couple of months ago, I believe that Ananias already recognized Saul as part of the family. He recognized him as part of the body. He hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet, hadn't been all this stuff, but he had been knocked off his donkey by Jesus. <laughs> he knew who was Lord, right? I believe he was surrendered. Good enough for me, right? Ananias comes in and calls him brother. 
If you look at uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 32, it says, And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. There's no indication this is talking about their biological brothers. Matter of fact, I have to look at it. I think they're even talking to Gentiles. But anyway, some versions say brethren, some say believers. But the Greek word, I looked it up as Adelphos, and it means brother. And I was trying to look at an example of mother. <laughs> kind of hard to find. The only one I found was 1 Peter 3, 6. And Peter says, for example, our mother, Sarah. Now, we're talking about Abraham and Sarah, right? This was 2,000 years earlier. It was Abraham and Sarah, right? But they recognized that they were children of Abraham. They, they recognized him as Father Abraham. It's not just a song, okay? Father Abraham. And, and Mother Sarah, okay? Folks, as the church, we are so much more than a location where we meet. We are a family, and some of you have found that. Some of you, that's what drew you into the body of Christ because you have found that the body of Christ, the church family, is more of a family to you than your biological family. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I told you last week, that's one of the reasons that I was like, man, let's stop calling ourselves members of Church of the Harvest. I want us to be part of the Church of the Harvest family. I want us to have family meetings and family gatherings, and I want us to have family prayer. I want Church of the Harvest to be your close family in the body of Christ while recognizing you have a much larger extended family, and you're not any better than any other part of the family. We have just chosen to come together and to be close and to link arms and to fulfill God's purposes in the earth together. We recognize that we're stronger together than we are individually, right? So I told you, we'll begin to talk about a few things that we're doing as far as community for the next couple of minutes. I told you that we're in the process of reworking the growth track a bit and we'll be announcing some things on that in the next couple of weeks. And yes, if you want to join together as part of the Church of the Harvest family, yeah, we're going to ask you to make a commitment to the family. I, you do the same of your own kids, right? I hope you do. You expect them to be a contributing part of the family, right? Man, we are messed up. <laughs> if you let your kids play Xbox all day, Lord have mercy. Yes, we're still going to ask you to make a commitment. We're going to ask you to serve and support the work that God's doing in our church family. But it's not enough. Gathering on Sunday for worship in the Word is a great thing. But as I said last week, it doesn't begin to scratch the surface of what God has for you. There's only so much you can get out of the Sunday morning gathering. We need community. We need other believers walking with us, and we need to walk with others. It is in community that we can most easily open up and contribute and connect and receive and bless and encourage. That happens in community. We can be stretched. We can be grown. First, in Proverbs 27, 17, it tells us that iron sharpens iron, right? What is required for that piece of iron to be sharpened? Another piece of iron, Right? It takes somebody else. If you're going to be sharpened for what it is that God has for you, it takes another person. A piece of iron cannot sharpen itself. Impossible. We need to build community in the body of Christ, and that most easily starts within our church family, our immediate church family. Our primary way here of accomplishing that has always been through community groups. Last fall... We expanded our community groups more so than we ever had before. And yes, our hand was kind of forced, felt that it was a priority. We had to move on this, partially because of COVID and the uncertainty of things. But guys, let me tell you that in the fall semester, you may remember we launched Community Connections, right? And under that umbrella, like I say, we launched more groups than ever before. We had 17 community groups. And half of those just over half of those, um, actually streamed to Zoom as well and each week had at least a family or two that were a part of that uh, virtually. 
We brought our one-on-one mentoring under the umbrella of Community Connections. If you were a person that recognized that you needed somebody to talk to, you, you needed somebody to give you godly advice along the way, or maybe you needed accountability, we would match you up with somebody who could help meet that need in your life and walk with you in love through that process. Under that umbrella of Community Connections, we, we brought under that uh, something new last fall called Community Meetups. And we had quite a bit of families last year who took advantage of that, especially in 2020. If you felt alone and you felt isolated, if you wanted interaction with another person, another family, but you wanted it in a smaller, safer setting, then we would match you up with another family. You could grab dinner, you could go for a coffee, you could go to the park, you could walk your dogs, whatever it may be, but it gave you the opportunity to get together with another person or another family. And we had a good group of families who took advantage of that last year. And you can still do that. It's on your connection card. Mark on there that you desire to be mentored. Mark on there that you desire to be a part of community meetups. And and we'll put you in contact with other families who want the same thing. And y'all can work that out. So last year, we had more of our church involved in community groups than we ever had before. And I think the fall semester of 2020, I think that we had 151 people involved in some form of the community connections. Guys, that's awesome. That's incredible. But guys, I feel like to continue and to take community to the point where I feel God is leading it, we're going to have to take more drastic, uh, more drastic changes, make more drastic changes at this point. And, and yeah, I wasn't even sure exactly what that looked like last year, um, but I felt it was too much to revamp all at once. But we're, we're going to start in a couple of weeks, okay? We're going to do something new. So let me talk about our community groups in the past for a minute. In the past, our community groups followed what we called a free market approach. And this worked well for its intended purpose. Our purpose was just to generally, it was just to get people together. And so groups were generally focused or centered around, um, they were generally, it was generally a topic or it was an, an event. And so we allowed the freedom for a group to be centered around any topic or purpose or event or gathering. We just wanted people to get together in the midst of a busy society. Just stop for a second and get together with some other believers. So if you wanted a group that got together and went through a marriage curriculum, awesome. You could do that. If you wanted to have a group that taught healing each week, awesome. You could do that. If you wanted to meet with others for a simple meal each week, Awesome. If you wanted to get together some other folks and go ride motorcycles each week, awesome. Just get together with others and do something, right? It also was to be an opportunity to invite others. It also was to bring about discipleship. But the last couple of years, I began to see some weaknesses in that format that I felt like we need to begin to shore up. And it really began to get clear to me, began to get clear to me last fall that, that we needed to really make a change. And so we were providing the opportunity to build community and for people to get connected. But like I say, there were drawbacks. So what were, what were the drawbacks that I saw? Um, one, we had that semester-driven format, right? We had spring community groups and we had fall community groups. And each lasted three to three and a half months. And, you know, we liked that in the busy, in the middle of a, of a busy, busy culture, you had this group and it had a beginning and it had an end and your commitment was not necessarily open-ended and you knew that at the end of that three or three and a half months or whatever, you know what, I didn't like that group. You can go join another one, Right? Saw that in that moment as a little bit of a strength for people. Um, I look at it a different way right now. Um, I see a few issues here. Um, one, I, I don't think that that's necessarily long enough for people to truly build long-term commitments and family relationships to one another. I don't think it's long enough for what people need, especially at this point in life and where we are at right now. Um, some people, some folks need a while to get comfortable and to ease in and to open up. And three months is a good amount of time, but here's the reality. The end of our community groups up until now, most of them, the end of that three-month period, it was like, well, see ya. 
Hope to see you Sunday. And that was kind of the end of it. There was also the fact that most of our groups up till now have been event or topic driven. And while in some ways this can be a strength, it can also be a drawback. So the example I was talking to our leaders yesterday, the example I gave was I did a a few community groups that were based around a 13-week video series that we would all watch together. Well, if you're meeting for 13 weeks and you're watching a 13-week video series, what's your priority each week? To get the video watched, right? But it doesn't give a whole lot of freedom for other things. And like I say, I think it was good to a certain extent, but the primary purpose each week would be to watch that video or discuss that book or discuss that chapter or whatever it may be. And, and what we're really talking about here is a class that gives a little bit of an opportunity for relationship. And I want to kind of flip things around a little bit, the priority. Does that make sense? It's not necessarily, we haven't necessarily majored on the community part. I can imagine, too, at times that our format has been a little hard to jump in on and to invite people to. Because I know that even um, when I was doing the men's group and going at different times and we would be going through a book or something like that, when somebody would come in and we were halfway through the book and they didn't even have the book, it's already hard to go to a group for the first time for a lot of people. Now they feel like they're out of place, and I don't even have a book, and oh, I'm not even caught up with these people, and you know, whatever else. And so I think that it kind of made things a little difficult that direction as well. So our previous format, oh, the last thing I believe, our previous format also made it a little difficult for us to be able to multiply and reproduce groups. And I think that it's important Uh, I personally feel that community groups should be growing and reproducing because that's part of family. That's what we do. And so that was kind of our old community group format. And like I said, I'm not bashing anybody. Guys, how many of you have some great memories of community groups in your life? Okay, awesome. So let me tell you what I want to do moving forward, okay? And as I, as I told some of the leaders yesterday, don't freak out. We're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We're going to talk a little more next week. We're not throwing out everything that we've done previously. Um, we are going to rebrand some things. We're going to repurpose some things. Um, but with that, for our community groups going forward, I think it's, hard, it's time to go ahead and make a hard turn on that. And this is what I want our new standard of community group to look like moving forward. I want our new community group system to be more ongoing instead of semester-driven. You're going to build a family? Three months isn't long enough, guys. There has to be a leader. There has to be somebody to take the initiative. There has to be somebody to open up their home. We're going to ask each leader, because we're starting this and doing something different, we're going to ask them to start with a one-year commitment. And it doesn't mean that if they choose the end of that, they're not going to do that or lead that. It doesn't mean that, that it necessarily ends. Maybe somebody else in that group needs to rise up and take that place and help to, to lead and direct the group, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but uh, we're going to ask people who choose to lead a community group to, uh, to begin with a one-year commitment. And speaking of leaders... I want leaders to be more facilitators than anything else. I think the leaders should pray, and I think they should be ready to share what it is. They feel like the Lord is speaking that week, and I think they should be instigating conversation. And it's okay to be reading a book together. It's okay to be going through a curriculum together. It's all right to be doing those things. But I want to see the family connecting and contributing and interacting. And we need a leader, but we should be people-based and not so much topic-based, if that makes sense, for our community groups. So what, is, what does this mean? Uh, let me give you a better idea what this means. It means the leader of the community group, you, maybe, maybe you're leading the group and you have, the Lord gave you some revelation reading through the Bible this week. And you got something you're just excited about and you're ready to share with your group. And they're all arriving, and you're excited to share this and to hear what everybody else has to say. But somebody walks in, and they're hurting. They're struggling. They lost a loved one. Family's sick. They're struggling financially, whatever it may be. It means you put that message aside, and you minister to the person. 
Everybody gathers around them, rallies around them, prays over them, helps them out, takes the meal, figures out whatever needs to be done to restore that person to strength. So you're not worried about having to have the video finished. Does that make sense? It means maybe somebody in your group shows up and they bring an unsaved coworker. Well, you think, you know what? I'm going to put my message aside. And we're all going to start sharing here for a little while about the goodness of God in our lives and our testimonies. And we're going to believe the Holy Spirit's about to do a work in this person's life. Right? Be more spirit-led in that. With that said, I want our community groups to begin to be one of our primary sources of outreach, a safe place that you can invite people to come to, a place where they can relax, a place where, no false pretenses, they can absolutely come in and they can be themselves and they can be loved. And I want, I, I want, I, I believe there are a lot of people in the world today that they don't trust the church. But they've worked next to you for the last five years. And if you look at them and say, hey, I got some friends, some folks, we're, we're getting together. We're going to have a meal tomorrow night. Why don't you come join us? And you invite them to it. If guests walk into this building, so I told the leaders yesterday, I want to be fresh meat. Community groups, go after them. Introduce yourself. Get to know them. And say, hey, why don't you come join us for some lunch? Why don't you come join us for a meal? Let's get together. Community is, guys, we live in a society that's desperate for community right now. Desperate. And I believe it will win more people to the Lord than just about anything else. People see in the love of Jesus and our embrace. We have been called to seek and save the lost. And what better way to do it than to pull people in in community? I want to see our community groups be made up of all ages. Doesn't mean that folks of different age groups can't get together, but we want that to be more events where they get together. We want our community groups to be different age groups. I think every group should have some younger folks and should have some older, older folks. Older folks should be investing in those younger folks and, frankly, learning from the younger folks because you need to understand where they're at today and, and what's going on in their lives and their hearts. You have things to teach one another, right? Each group should have mentors and mentees. We need each other. I want our community groups to be a family that takes care of each other. And I think in many ways as a church, we've done a great job of this. But I just want to take it to the next level. Somebody's hurting in our church family. The pastors and senior leaders don't need to, uh, shouldn't be the ones having to necessarily worry about it because they know the community group is absolutely gathering around that person, rallying around them and picking them up. This is community. Neighbors taking care of neighbors. Family taking care of family. I want community groups to make reproduction a process. I want them to be a place where people can share and where they can shine, where their giftings can be recognized, and where they can lead. A group and leaders should be able to recognize people's giftings and talents. By the time a group gets to a certain size, it's time to reproduce and start another family unit. We don't like it, but it's just like when our kids grow up and move on and start another family unit. Does it mean they're not our kids anymore? No. And if we, have a, if we reproduce into another community group, does that mean they're not family? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But we make that hard choice, and we know that this is God's best. And we start a new work, Right? It should be exciting. Guys, if we can get this down pat, it will be one of the greatest strengths that our church family has if we can get community down. And I want community groups to become top priority. I really do. And here's the cool thing. Our community groups get to come together once a week on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and we get to worship and we get to pray, and we get to receive from the word together, right? Hey guys, if you will commit to this, you will grow so much more than you ever could have on a Sunday. So much more. By the way, like I said, our community meetups will continue. Our mentoring will continue. You can sign up for those in your connection form. It, but those things do not replace community group involvement. 
If you were to ask me at this point, what is my number one desire? If I was to ask you for something as, a, as, as part of the Church of the Harvest family, if I had one thing to ask of you at this point, it would be get involved in a community group. What about Sunday morning? Get involved in a community group. Get involved in a community group. Community group is the one place where all three of those pillars can be fulfilled. Community, discipleship, outreach. Sunday morning's not the place. This is a great celebration, and it's needed and it's necessary, but community groups are more effective. Community groups. If I had one thing to ask is that you join a community group. Secondly, be involved in Sunday and other equipping opportunities that the church has. And then thirdly, you know, any other events and, and things that we do. Community groups in this format will fulfill that vision of making, growing, equipping followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life through community, discipleship, and outreach. And by doing this, we're taking responsibility for our part of the church, guys. It's not just going to church on Sunday and expecting the pastor to do the work of ministry. What an American cop-out. It is. We've got to take responsibility. We are each called individually to carry out God's plan in the earth. Last week I told you the word I heard for 2021. What was the word? Nobody listened to last week. Activated. What does activated mean? It means to make, to cause, to function, or to act, especially in regard to military unit, to place on active status and assigned capacity. I told you from Army.com, it's talking about the Army Reserves. It says activation is when an Army Reserve soldier is called to, to serve in the Army Reserves full time. Then it said deployment is when soldiers are moved to a specific area of operations, usually on foreign soil. And that's one of the things I ended with last week, guys, that if you've repented, and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, then you have been activated in a full-time capacity and you have been deployed on foreign soil to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'll be doggone, we're going to look like it. We're going to walk it out. You have been activated and deployed. Now here's, a, here's the thing. When it comes to community groups, we need to start by knowing our comrades in our unit. I mean, really knowing them. Talk to people in the military who have been in combat situations. They so I, they'll say, I know my brother got my back because I know him and I trust him and we've walked together, right? We've got to know our comrades in the body of Christ. We have got to be a tight-knit family. We've got to link arms and hold on for <laughs> Your life not letting go. We hold on to our comrades. Let's build community. Iron sharpening iron. We meet the needs of those around us. We walk together because we're stronger together than we are individually. We reach out and we invite others to join us on the journey. So we will start introducing community groups in just a few weeks. And guys, I'm going to ask you, if you are part of the Church of the Harvest family, get involved jump in and i understand yeah but i got a work schedule i can't be there all the time I understand I understand make that family a priority i'll be there when i can as much as i can i will be there with you all and we'll stand together and we'll walk together amen how's guys i, I don't know what the coming weeks and months and years are going to look like I don't know what the church is in, a, in the United States is going to look at five to ten years from now as far as the traditional sense. But I know that the body of Christ is the hope of the world, and we are going to stand firm. We are going to keep trucking forward. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen? So we'll start introducing this in a couple of, heart, in a couple of weeks. Please begin to pray and prepare your heart and mind for what God's asking of you because you're needed. If you have the desire to lead a community group, you're going to be needed. Seriously. You're going to be needed. Because I'm not sure. I, I know I've got several that have committed so far. But uh, we need a lot more. We need a lot more. And I, I'm talking three, four, five families that, 
get together, you know, on a regular basis. We need you. We need to know that if the church doors, the building were ever closed, that work of ministry is going to continue on without skipping a beat. That the body of Christ, especially the family, Church of the Harvest, is going to stand strong. Guys, you're needed. Don't sit by on the sidelines and say Sunday morning's enough for me. Not anymore. It's not enough. Don't be isolated and alone. It's a new season. We got to quit resisting change. We got to make the change. We got to be the change. The alarms are blaring. They're going off. The sirens are going off in the spirit. It's time to quit sleeping. It's time to wake up. It's time to be revived. It is time to seek and hunger after God like never before. So as I said last week, this is where we're going to fine-tune everything around. Everything is going to be centered around community, discipleship, and outreach, making sure that every person who calls Church of the Harvest family is ready for whatever may come, is equipped to accomplish God's purposes in the earth. Amen? That will be our goal for 2021. I think I said it last week. Who's in? Okay, let's stand up. Lord, we thank you that we get to call you Father. You are our father. You're a dad. And it is an honor and a privilege to call ourselves sons and daughters. And Lord, we recognize our place in the family. And we recognize our brothers and sisters standing together to our left and our right. And we declare that we will not be moved in Jesus' name. Whatever may come, we will not be moved in Jesus' name. But we will stand together, we will stand strong, and we will stand firm. Lord, I thank you for the work that you are doing right now in the body of Christ, in this area, in this nation, and around the world. I truly believe with all my heart, Lord, this year you are going to do something amazing, astounding that we haven't begun to conceive of yet. And so we stir up the expectancy within our hearts. We get our eyes off of the circumstances and the challenges. And Lord, we look at the opportunities in you. Lord, we keep our eyes open to the open doors that you've placed in front of us. And we choose to be bold and to step through. And I thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. We stand together with countless millions. And we say that Jesus is Lord. Lord, we serve you and we serve you alone. With every head bowed, if you're here or you're watching online and you would say, man, I don't even know if I'm part of this family. I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't even conceive when somebody says all in. I, I, I don't know that I've ever been all in to anything but maybe my own fleshly desires. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I would invite you today. <laughs> I would implore you today to surrender your heart to Jesus. That's, that's what it means. You repent. You turn from your old ways. You say, Jesus, I'm following you and I'm going to look like you for the rest of my life. I'm going to do exactly what you do. I'm going to say exactly what you say. I'm going to follow your leading. That's you. That's you. And you would say, I need Jesus. Is there anybody in this place? Lift your hand. Let me see. Who would say, I know that I need to surrender today? All right. Who else would say, I know that I need to surrender? Come on. Anybody. Be bold, guys. We shouldn't even have to bow our heads for this one, really. Who needs to surrender? Maybe you're watching online. There's no distance in the spirit. You're in on this. Come on. We're going to pray together. And the Bible says you mean with all your heart that 
You become a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. Does the world change? No. But your walk becomes infinitely easier in that you've got the creator of the universe walking with you. No matter what comes your way, you can walk it out with joy and peace and love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Recognize that I have walked this life with my own desires as the focus. In reality, I've been isolated and alone in my shame and in my guilt. And I say that Jesus, I need you. I need you. So Lord, I choose to repent of my sinful ways. I turn from my old way of living. I give up my selfishness and my desires. And I put your way first. I put your will first. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Invade my life. Then nothing will ever be the same. Make me new like you promised. Thank you for taking my judgment, for taking my punishment, for that great exchange. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, be everything you've called me to be in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.